walking down the street on her beat. Who's volunteering because she's so sweet? Doris Anderson. She's a lazy lady that you all want to meet. She's sexy, she's sapphic, she's Doris Anderson. And she's in heat. Hi, everybody. This is Lisa Haas, in for Doris Anderson. And you're listening to In Heat, a community service podcast for self-identified lesbians and anyone else out there who wants to support lesbian content. GBTQAI allies, welcome. Doris has been on an out-of-state pet rescue, which got extended due to Hurricane Eon. In the meantime, I'm filling in for her to support her upcoming episode dedicated to late-in-life lesbians. Doris has been hearing about the unique challenges and emotional struggles that a lot of late-in-life lesbians are experiencing on TikTok. I'm an early-in-life lesbian, perhaps at an unfortunate time, the 1980s, post the Sisters of Blythe, but pre-Ellen DeGeneres' coming out. If you can imagine, it was extremely awkward being an isolated, closeted teen lesbian in a homophobic household and community. So Doris asked me to share a horrible real-life experience I had, hoping it will ease the pain of late-in-life lesbians and their feelings of having missed out on queer culture early in life. So here it goes. When I was growing up, I knew I was gay, but I didn't know any gay people. The only thing I knew about them were they were apparently all adults who did something so unspeakable my parents couldn't actually say what it was. And even though they never said the word gay, they would talk in hushed tones about the people who were that way. They also inferred that if there were a pair of people who were that way, say if it appeared to be two men, one of them would be more feminine. And if it appeared to be two women, one of them would be mannish. They also inferred that people who were that way would weave these elaborate traps like spiders weave webs to catch children, not to make a meal out of them, but to have their way with them. My parents warned that it was sometimes hard to recognize when you were walking into one of these traps. An example scenario they illustrated was, one day, you might find yourself in the parking lot of the Mile High Stadium during a Denver Broncos football game. And the people who were that way would have their Winnebago park there to celebrate after the game. And if they saw you, they would coax you into their Winnebago and offer you a beer and chili. And then, before you knew it, you'd be that way. And even if you didn't get caught in a trap, you should never be in close proximity to them. Because if you were even seen standing near them, other people would think you were that way even if there was no way you were that way. So the only people who I knew existed who were that way were evil, monstrous people lurking in the shadows and me. I didn't understand how I could be the only non-deviant gay person. But thankfully, during my freshman year in high school, a transfer student named Anthony showed up. And because Anthony and I both played in the percussion section of the marching band, we became friends. He was the first gay person I knew because he was openly gay. And other boys would beat him up a lot and slash the tires of his car. But that didn't stop him from talking about all his nighttime nightclub adventures. And one place he spoke of often was this bar slash coffee house in downtown Denver called 
The Grove. And once a week on Tuesdays, The Grove hosted a teen night. I knew The Grove was where the gays were, just by the way Anthony talked about it. It sounded like a lot of teenagers from other high schools went there. But were there actual teenaged lesbians there? Were they from other high schools? No one at my high school seemed to be a lesbian. So one Tuesday evening, the phone rang. It was Anthony. He said, hey, Lisa, do you want to go out tonight? Do you want to go have fun? It's teen night at the Grove. I'll pick you up and promise to have you home by 11 p.m. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe this was happening. Would I see any girls there I knew? I hope not, because I'm sure they would tell on me. This was my big chance to go to the Grove semi-anonymously. I would have to play it cool, because I, I wasn't accused of being a lesbian. I was just invited as a teen guest. But maybe I'd meet another girl and we'd have lots of things in common. Like they might be Star Trek fans. And we'd bond over that and become best friends and sit on the couch together and watch reruns of Star Trek every day after school. I told Anthony that I had to get permission from my parents, and he said he'd pick me up in 30 minutes. I had to call my parents at the bingo hall. My parents, God love them, volunteered every Tuesday night for my school's bingo fundraiser to raise money for the school's band. But what would I tell them? I started to panic. I could tell them I was going to Thirsty's, a bar they knew about that had a teen night once a week. But I didn't want to lie to them because they would hear I was lying in my voice. So I thought if I told the truth, I'd sound normal. Plus, they had no idea that the Grove existed. So I called the bingo hall and asked to speak to Jean or Josephine Haas. My mom got on the phone and I said, Hi, Mom. Anthony wants to take me out tonight, and he'll have me home by 11 p.m. Is it okay if I go? The Grove. It's a bar. Like Thirsty's. You know, that bar that has teen night once a week. Well, the Grove has teen night. Okay, yes, I'll be home by 11 p.m. Okay, thanks. Bye. My hand was shaking when I hung up the phone. I had totally scored. I was totally going to pull this off. Next, I had to hurry to fix my hair and put my best t-shirt on over my best button-up blouse. And as I was running around getting ready, the phone rang. It was my mom. She said, you're not going anywhere. You stay right there until we get home. We want to have a talk with you. I was like, oh, okay, is something wrong? She said, we do not want you to go to the Grove, and hung up. Oh no, what happened? Something happened. How could they find out about the Grove? I couldn't imagine any of the lethargic, chain-smoking, bingo-addicted patrons had ever been to the Grove. Just then, Anthony pulled up in his car, and I had to go outside to tell him I couldn't go and was embarrassed I couldn't tell him why. But what was I going to tell my parents when they got home? And now, a word from our sponsor. Uh, so, actually, InHeat doesn't have a sponsor, but I do know that Doris has been trying to get a sponsor. And I just want to put it out there that there's a, a place that I think might be a good match as a sponsor, it's called Green Chef, and it's one of those places that sends you all the ingredients 
and then you just cook it. So it's all there. And so my girlfriend and I did a trial order of some of their meals, and we tried the Thai red turkey with chicken. I was really surprised. It was really delicious. And maybe perhaps more importantly than the actual meal itself, it's a very nice couple's activity. So if you're busy and you're in a relationship and are having a hard time finding time for each other, making these little meals together are a super nice couple's activity. And you don't have to worry that one person forgot to buy something that they were supposed to buy or somebody messes something up because all the ingredients are there and they give you very clear step-by-step directions. By the way, the red curry Thai chicken is a keto gluten-free meal. And I know there's a lot of lesbians who are gluten-free. So anyway, Green Chef, I'm putting it out there. You might consider sponsoring in heat. And now back to our program. What was I going to tell my parents when they got home? When their car rolled up on the driveway, I hid in my bedroom. I could hear my parents come inside and my mom shouted, Lisa, come downstairs. I went downstairs trying to act like nothing was wrong. My mother was the bad cop. My father said nothing. Why did that Anthony want you to go to the Grove? Um, it's tea night. Do you know what the Grove is? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a dance bar. Have you ever been there before? No. Then how do you know anything about it? Um, other kids from school go there. I lied. Who are these other kids that go there? Um, uh, you, you know, kids from, like, kids from school, they go there on Tuesday nights. What other kids? Who are these other kids? What are their names? Um, I don't know them, really. I think some kids from English. What have you heard about the Grove? N- nothing. Do you know what the Grove is? I didn't know if I could emotionally withstand this questioning, and all I could think of was years ago, when 4th of July, my dad came home with a very special firecracker. The big one. And even though it was illegal to shoot off fireworks, he was going to do it anyway. So my mom and sister and I got out folding chairs and sat on the driveway while my dad pulled a six-foot-long pipe out of the back of his truck and put on his hard hat, gloves, and welding goggles. And then he unveiled it, the biggest firecracker we had ever seen. In fact, it looked like a giant pop bottle rocket, and my dad was trying to create a whole monster-sized pop bottle rocket setup. He loaded the firecracker into the pipe and lit it with a small handheld blowtorch. And the wick burned up into the pipe, making its way to the explosive materials that were going to jettison this three-pound monster into the air. It was taking a really long time to go off and thick black smoke started pouring out of the pipe. But finally, the thing shot into the sky and exploded. It was like, kabang, sparkle, sizzle, spark. On the ground, a huge cloud of smoke had engulfed our driveway. It was so exciting. But suddenly, two shadowy figures emerged from the cloud. It was our neighbors, Mr. Larson, a high school principal, and Mrs. Larson, a librarian. What are you folks doing this evening? asked Mr. Larson. We were so busted. What could we say? Really, what could we say? 
My sister and mom and me had just finished a round of applause, and my dad was standing there in gloves, goggles, and a hard hat, holding the pipe that was still billowing smoke out of both ends. Oh, we just came out to watch the fireworks, my dad said in his most casual, nonchalant, charming way. The weather is really beautiful, said my mom. And for the next ten minutes, this lame little chitty-chatting went on and on about what a nice evening it was for a walk, and how lovely the sky looked, and what a hot summer it had been, and all the while nobody mentioning anything about the smoking pipe, which was finally petering out until all the smoke had cleared, making my dad's get-up look even more conspicuous. And finally, the Larson said, have a good evening, and strolled off. When they were out of earshot, we all giggled, and my mom said, I hope they don't call the police. And now, here I was, my parents staring at me while I was sitting in a smoke cloud of my own making, acting like nothing was wrong, with my mom in my face asking, Do you know what the Grove is? I guess. Not really. Well, we'll tell you. It's a queer bar. It's where queers hang out. What? I declared, pretending to be surprised. Really? Gosh, that's not what I heard about the Grove. I had no idea. Well, John, the police officer who patrols the bingo hall, we asked him about the Grove. He said it was a queer bar and that we shouldn't let our daughter go there. What could I say to that? Why would you want to go someplace like the Grove? Um, just a... You know, hang out, it's teen night, and they'll let you in and, you know, serve you a Coke. My dad finally spoke. That Anthony Wheeler is a no-good sneaky bastard wanting to take you to a queer bar. Then my mom said, We don't ever want you to go to the Grove. Do you know what a fag hag is? No, I, I didn't. I'd never heard that term before. A fag hag is someone who hangs out with fags. And when you hang out with fags, people think you are like a fag. Do you want anyone to think that you're that way when you're not? Well, that's the end of the story. Um, So I obviously did not come out to my parents for a very long time. Well, in fact, my dad died before I even came out. So one thing I might say is to the late-in-life lesbians, there's some things you didn't miss out on. There's some things you definitely didn't miss out on. Well, thank you very much for listening. And before I go, Doris has given me some information about the pet of the week. All right, here's what it says. Are you a caretaker by nature? If you are, Squirty the Iguana might be the pet for you. Iguanas have so many special needs, it's like having an intensive care patient as a pet. The heat lamp, the feeding, the delicate temperature, the constant attention you need to pay to them so they don't die. Squirty was abandoned, so there's basically no information about his background. It's estimated that he is about 15 years old and appears to be healthy. In addition to being a caretaker, if you also have a fear of abandonment, iguanas make great pets. They will never leave you because they can only go as far as the heat lamp radiates from your house. Interested parties should get in touch with Doris Anderson at Doris, the at sign, in the dash sign, heat.com. That's Doris at inheat.com. 
and she'll set you up for adoption with the Alphabet City Cat Rescue and Shelter. That's it for today's show. If you are seeking support, please join the Self-Identified Lesbian Community Group on Facebook, or like the InHeat Facebook page, or you can check out the InHeat website where you can read a complimentary blog post that accompanies today's show. Links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening. She's sexy, she's sapphic, she's Doris Anderson, and she's in heat.